재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 We are continuing our discussion on South Korea's new electoral map. Uh, we're going to be also widening the discussion onto these ongoing agreements in the National Assembly. So they did agree on the electoral redistricting, but there's still a lot of other disputes, which is basically preventing any movement in Parliament right now. We're also going to be uh, checking in with an expert from the UK and get more of a global context on this issue, uh, learn how constituent boundaries are uh, drawn up in countries around the world, what some of the factors are there, more uh, civics lessons for all of us. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a Kakao Talk message by adding TBS EFM as a plus friend. Once again, joining us here in the studio from Asan Institute for Policy Studies, Dr. Kim Ji-yoon. Dr. Kim, thank you for joining us again. Uh, Legally speaking, um, in terms of, okay, heads of the uh, parties, uh, Kim Musang, Kim Jong-in, they met, they said, okay, we, we agree with this. What are some of the legislative hurdles that are still left? Um, is it pretty much, okay, the leaders decide, just got to pass this through, assuming we can get rid of some of the other uh, disagreements, or obviously there will be people who have their own vested interests, some of the lawmakers who might be losing out. Could they be fiercely uh, trying to oppose this? Of course, I mean, there are already oppositions from the lawmakers and the candidate hopefuls, you know, whose uh, districts are lost <laughs> all of a sudden or added with other municipalities. I mean, just think about it. You have to go and campaign in the municipality that you do not really know about and you have no roots or acquaintance. Um, although it's not, come to think of it, very un- it's not really an uncommon thing in Korea. Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes in the, those National Assembly people or candidates, they run in the place that they never lived in before. Right. But, uh, but I don't really think the voices of these people is not going to be heard that largely because uh, time is ticking. So, you know, the, uh, and the rule is agreed. And uh, so it's not going to be changed by a handful number of people. And Korean parties, the party discipline is really strong. Mm. So the leadership decision actually, as in, you know, usually just, you know, goes through. So it's still very much top down. And so yeah. there, there might be some moaning and groaning, but yeah. be quiet. We really have <laughs> only uh, less than three months left till this right. uh, election. Uh, we're going to also get the thoughts from Professor Ron Johnston from the University of Bristol. Uh, he's going to give us his uh, expertise and analysis on situation in various countries, including in the UK. Uh, hello. Hello, Professor Hi. Johnson. Yes, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, no problem. We've been talking about how uh, Korea is trying to redraw their elo- electoral districts. Uh, it'd be interesting to also get your thoughts. Uh, first, in the UK, as well as other maybe electoral systems in various other nations that uh, you've looked at, how generally are constituencies delineated? Usually, in countries like the United Kingdom, in Australia, uh, and New Zealand, there are general rules which, which are uh, set down in legislation, and then an independent commission is given the task of, of applying those rules and coming up with a recommendation for constituencies. And those rules will normally be, you know, constituencies must be of a certain size, not too big, not too small, uh, must be must be contiguous territories and so forth. They vary, but that's the way it happens. In the United States, the law simply says that each state has a number of districts, and um, what has happened is that people come up with districting plans and then they're evaluated by the courts. 
Now, generally speaking, are the uh, changing demographics, whether it's age, uh, race, what have you, and also migration, uh, do they always provide sort of this dynamic environment as far as uh, uh, when people are trying to decide how to draw up uh, a fair and balanced electoral boundary? Yeah. Um, you, you asked the question at an incredibly uh, opposite time because only yesterday uh, the figures were announced which will be used in the next United Kingdom redistricting. In 2011, when they did the, did the last exercise started, uh, seats were allocated to the four countries within the United Kingdom according to their uh, electorates. And now, four, five years later, they're doing it again, and there are two major changes. Scotland and Northern Ireland will each get one more seat, and England and Wales will get one less each, which is a consequence of population changes. And then when you get inside each country, uh, the allocation to different regions is going to change as well. Population can keep moving around, uh, and yet, you know, any districting exercise takes time, uh, and, and then by the time it, it gets into into position, things have changed, but hopefully not too much. So the exercise that starts now in the United Kingdom uses the population, basically, uh, as of now, but those constituencies will not be used until 2020 when we have our next general election, um, and so they will be four years out of date. In many ways, there's nothing you can do to compensate from that because once an exercise starts, if you keep changing the numbers, mm. you'll never finish. Now... As a final question here, and uh, being a uh, political geography expert, it often seems to lay people that when you talk about draw redrawing electoral districts, it is a very harsh zero-sum game situation. <laughs> there will be definite winners. There will be definite losers. Uh, are there general ways, as someone who's studied this uh, uh, for his academic career, where that we can reduce the disproportionality as well as the inherent biases so that when you do redraw these districts, we can say to the best extent possible, hey, look, the, the districts have been redrawn and the votes have been cast, and this is as much as we can possibly do a reflection of popular sentiment. The simple answer is no. <laughs> if you're using single-member districts, uh, you know, where e e each district returns uh, one member of the legislature, uh, it is almost uh, impossible, um, with, even with independent commissions, as in this country, to get a system which does not produce a disproportional outcome and very likely a biased outcome as well. The only way that you can uh, get towards the, 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 the situation that you describe is to change the electoral system either totally mm. to a form of proportional representation which involves usually multi-member uh, seats rather than single-member seats or alternatively do as they have in New Zealand and Germany uh, and in Scotland and Wales you have a system which is partly single-member districts so you do get legislators who represent a particular district in a particular area but on top of that you have a proportional allocation to try and get uh, a representation of the, of the general uh, pattern of views in the country as well as getting lo local members. Without electoral reform, uh, you cannot get rid of disproportionality and bias. Mm, very interesting. Uh, Professor Johnston, we'll leave it there, but thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate your insights. You're very welcome.
That was Professor Ron Johnston from the University of Bristol. Professor uh, Dr. Kim, you just heard what he had to say, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of mix he described New Zealand. You kind of think, oh, is that kind of the similar situation in South Korea with proportional and uh, single-manager disease? Do we have a great system here? Well, it's slightly, not slightly, quite different as a matter of fact. It's both a mixed system, but the Korean case, the PR and SMDT are not connected. But in the case of the New Zealand, these are connected and basically decide by the how much vote share they got in the PR tier mm. decides how much seats they get in the, the parliament. So it's a very different system, like Germany and New Zealand. And if you're asking me, is we have a good system? I don't know. I mean, I always go for the PR is better represented. Right, right. I mean, it has many weaknesses, but, you know, you, we need to get more proportionately, uh, rep, uh, people should be more proportionally represented. Right. If you don't uh, like or agree with, let's mm -hmm. say, the current U.S., system, mm -hmm. which is very much and has been for centuries now a strong two-party yeah. system um, with no proportionality in Korea. If you believe that there are parties like, let's say, you said the Justice Party, who right. have some support and have some good ideas to mm -hmm. bring to the table, but they really won't ever get their voices heard in the par parliament because they can maybe win two, three seats uh, right. every election cycle. Uh, that could be helped by the situation that that kind of reform, though, here in Korea, of course, is very, very far away, right? Yeah, basically, the major two parties decide all the rules. And no matter how much they hate each other, they're never going to no, exactly. uh, cooperate and try to change yeah. that system because obviously that is their uh, power. Okay, we talked about electoral mm -hmm. redistricting, but we also kind of issued the caveat that well, nothing's official yet mm -hmm. because they can't pass this if there is no movement at all in the National Assembly. It's been like that for a long time. President Park <laughs> labor reform bills, uh, all these other economic uh, uh, boosting bills, and uh, now this recent introduction of the anti-terror bill, which I guess the big wrinkle was that the National Assembly Speaker Chang Yuan said, you know what, uh, maybe not the uh, labor reform stuff, but I'm going to actually uh, put this uh, anti-terror bill to a vote. Right. Uh, that's kind of uh, set off... What we're witnessing, I guess, is a historical event in the National Assembly yeah. right now. The first ever in 45 years uh, use of a filibuster in the National Assembly. Mm -hmm. A lot of headlines. I mean, you see all the lawmakers standing in their tennis shoes, uh, <laughs> giving speeches. People um, familiar with the U.S. Senate, they've seen that all the time with judicial appointees. Right. Uh, uh, one of your favorite presidential candidates, uh, Ted Cruz, also famously <laughs> filibustering during the U.S. government. Um, uh, kind of uh, arguments. What do you make of this? Uh, do you think generally it is a valuable tool for the minority to block something they think is dangerous to the country, or is it on the other side just pure obstructionism? You know, um, under the filibuster rule of Korea, you first have to discuss only the things related to the bill. Um, that you are filibustering, which requires a tremendous homework and efforts by the, the National Assembly people. Uh, and so it's not like a reading Bibles, like in Thurman they did, like in the, like, I think it's 50 years ago. Uh, if the majority party feels like it is necessary um, to guarantee a speaker to use his power for a bill, uh, for a vote, uh, to expedite, expedite the process, then it should be guaranteed for minorities to stop uh, usurping the majority power by using the filibuster. So it's a simple democratic rule. So I think it's as simple as that.
It's a simple democratic rule. Uh, there are, of course, other effects to it, especially, I suppose, here in Korea, where it's kind of a new concept for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of, it, it has a PR effect also for the opposition who hasn't really had any good news in, in recent years. But uh, there's just as that very uh, long 10-hour mm-hmm. Filibuster that was made by uh, Unsumi, who right. of course, uh, kind of, I guess, all of a sudden had the spotlight shined on her. There really is kind of a delicate balancing act, right? To use yeah. this effectively and going, oh, the people, oh, you're doing our job. You're you're trying to protect us from this bad anti-terror law uh, to the point where if it's maybe abused. And people saying, look, we're not getting anything done because of you guys and stop trying to filibuster. Well, but that's the whole purpose of filibuster. <laughs> what are you talking about? And the content of I filibuster. I was giving yeah. a devil's advocate. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if you read the content or heard of it, it's not that bad. It's pretty good, actually, as a matter of fact. Right. And, and as you say, very different from just reading Dr. Seuss or, or the Bible. Yeah, or newspapers. Or newspapers. <laughs> now, then again, devil's advocate for the ruling Senate Party, uh, the opposition are saying, look, don't poison pill these kind of bills that we both agree on. If you, if we said we agreed on this electoral redistricting bill and we made the hard work to do it, why are you trying to sneak in other things that mm-hmm. we don't like and you know we don't like as far as part right. of the passage process? Is that also a valid point? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, uh, of course, the Senate Party, they will say that the Minjudang, uh, the Minju and the Jongidang, they hold the anti-terrorism bill by Philip Buster, and that's really wrong. And, you know, beauty is always in the eyes of the beholder. And the Senate Party, uh, of course, is linking the anti-terrorism bill. And then they have to say that they have to pass the anti-terrorism bill to pass the electoral map. And the Minjudang and the Jongidang, they say, well, you know, just stop for a while and pass the electoral bill and then do continue the filibuster. Of course, the Senate Party is not going to do it. Um, you know, but what's really coming with 100% is election. It's coming in April, and we don't have much time, even though we have a track record not keeping the deadline and submitting the redistricting uh, map. But this is the day that guaranteed for the civilians to use their power. It's not, we don't have that much, uh, although we believe that we are living in a democratic society, but we don't really have many chances to use our own people's power. So you have to keep the promise. So mm. you, this is a day guaranteed not for them, but for the civilians, for the citizens. So I think it should be passed no matter what happens. Just a brief excuse me, follow-up to the point about we have that deadline, even though we've not met that deadline. Never. The, the, <laughs> the voters still deserve a chance to accurately have an assessment of who to vote for sure. as their uh, political leaders. Just um, as an expert and someone who who does this favor, if you keep delaying this and not having this, is it is it a little bit more favorable for the ruling party, or is it a little more favorable for the main opposition, or is it more favorable for the big two party system? What is it generally? Well, if you're just asking me about the public opinions, then it's going to favoring senior party, I think. Because people tend to think, well, it's opposition party. They are always opposed to and object to everything, what you know, and then that may give a really bad stigma to the opposition party. So if it's delayed, it's not really good for the Tominju. So I guess then the point you're saying is Henry really has no proper incentive to actually compromise on the issue right. of anti-terrorism. They're probably saying, oh, we tried, we tried, but they were the people who objected to it. Well, that leads us to uh, these controversies. We've talked about this uh, yesterday as well, but as far as the new powers that would be given to the mm-hmm. NIS, who, of course, does not enjoy very high public levels of trust <laughs> right now, uh, the, what, just what are the powers and why are they controversial? 
Uh, this anti-terrorism bill is really controversial because critical point is NIS have too powerful under this bill. And uh, I saw on the internet article, there's like a giving NIS the dull ring, you know, the Lord of the Rings, the uh-huh. dull ring. Um, so they should be able to have authority to collect all the information of the civilians once they suspect this person is possibly the terrorist. For example, like, you know, you know the they can check the the record of arrival or departure of the countries and and the financial transactions online and offline and also telecommunication records and the, who and uh, they talk to over the phone etc without a warrant that's the big problem the without a warrant and it can also check and control the cyberspace that i think is mm. personally i think is really really problematic uh, so all the information that, you know, I secretively use online, like a banking account or whatever, whatever everything, it can be exposed to NIS radar yeah. if they feel it is necessary. So um, whether or not one is a terrorist, how you decide it is really subjective. So it basically says that, in fact, everybody is actually can be the uh, yeah. subject to be investigated. Even if I've never contacted any member of ISIS or mm-hmm. North Korea in my life, if I'm typing a lot of things that the government might not like, there's ambiguity as to whether they are able to target me or not through this mm-hmm. anti-terror legislation, right? Well, I'd like to believe the NIS is, you know, um, decent not to do so. <laughs> but we can't. Um, yeah. That's the problem. Is that kind of concerning. That they have also said, look, North Korea is going to have mm-hmm. a terrorist attack on us. So of yeah. course, a lot of talk about the nuclear test and the, the missile launches. There seems to be a sense of urgency being uh I guess expressed by conservatives and and, mm-hmm. and the government and the and the ruling party, is it urgent or is there time to kind of look at this more carefully and kind of scrutinize the legislation? Well, the Blue House and the NIS they actually reveal the information that there's a North Korea terrorist threat, like and they are targeting at North Korea defectors and some people in South Korea. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the timing is really observed to reveal that information. First of all, it's a secret information, a security kind of uh, information, and the bill, anti-terrorism bill, is pending at the National Assembly. So, did you really have to say it right now? Um, it seems like you know the, our government is becoming a little bit coercive to pass the bill and um, giving an influ- inf- uh, being influential in the, the legislature again. Uh, and then also to Korea, the, this is the problem. Korea already have very similar, uh, the anti-terrorism regulations are very similar to the anti-terrorism bill right now. So there's not much to add to it. And the, the NIS is, has been criticized for being too powerful and, you know, uh, wielding too much power. So, I don't know. It's not because we do not have anti-terrorism institute or policies, but it's not really, but it is that we do not mm. really use it appropriately, basically. Um, you know, so I think I addressed it before, but what NIS should restore is not its dominant uh, and overwhelming power it enjoyed during the authoritarian regime, but actually the trust of public. Yeah. So it's a little bit, um, you know, not really a very timely thing to do so right now. Not a timely thing, as we said. Uh, they don't have a lot of trust, and maybe restoring that trust would be a far more effective way for them to be able to do their jobs uh, better in terms of protecting the country. We will leave it there. Dr. Kim, as always, enjoy your insights and your analysis. Uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.